Hello there, you Awakening Wonders on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you download your podcasts. We really appreciate you, our listeners, and want to bring you more content. We will be delivering a podcast every day, seven days a week. Every single day, you'll get a detailed breakdown of current topics that the mainstream media should be covering. But if they are covering, they're amplifying establishment messages and not telling you the truth. Once a week, we bring you in-depth conversations with guests like Jordan Peterson, RFK Jr., Sam Harris, Vandana Shiva, Gabor Mate, and many more. Now enjoy this episode of Stay Free with Russell Brand. Remember, there's an episode every single day to educate and elevate our consciousness together. Stay free and enjoy the episode. No, here's the fucking news. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Thanks for joining us on our voyage to truth and freedom. A voyage where hopefully people from across the political spectrum and across the world with a variety of political views can come together to look at how the establishment is beginning to fall apart and eat itself. I think significant in this new dynamic is the emergence of independent media. For example, look at Vivek Ramaswamy's performance at the Republican Party primaries. Someone that says January 6th was a conspiracy, maybe even 9-11 was a conspiracy. Conversation that even two to five years ago existed existed on the margins of the internet would be conversations that you'd have to go to Alex Jones for. I believe that independent media has meant that conversations, talking points from the periphery have entered into the centre and the establishment cannot deal with it. Donald Trump epitomises this trend more than anybody. I know some of you absolutely love Donald Trump and think he's the solution to America's problems. There will of course be people that think that Trump is a populist and a demagogue. So what is it really that Donald Trump is doing to the establishment and who better to turn to than the writer of the book The Revolt of the Public, Martin Gurry, who ahead of everyone said the arguments of left and right are collapsing, the communications miracle means that politics is going to change forever, the old elites are dying and new elites haven't been born yet to take their places. This is a time of chaos. Martin Gurry was ahead of the curve. Believe me, he wrote this book way, way before other people were talking about this stuff. And he's written a new article about Donald Trump and the hysteria in the neoliberal establishment. We want to look at the rise of populism across the world. We want to look at the rise of independent media. We want to look at the situation where someone like Conor McGregor could stand for president in Ireland. We are looking at a world where the establishment can no longer maintain control over the minds of the public. The more Donald Trump is indicted, the more popular he gets. People hate the establishment so much that we are going to see resurgent populist movements and figures across the world. It's been happening probably since 2008, but it's reaching a critical tipping point now. And extraordinarily, Donald Trump is still at the forefront of it. Firstly, let's have a look at the legacy media hysterically claiming that Trump is like Hitler, Trump is like Putin, Trump is like Mussolini, Trump is like Mao. He will exile people, he will execute people. And is there a real argument for that? And if there isn't a real argument, why are they doing it? Overnight during a taped town hall in Iowa, former President Trump mocking questions about turning the presidency into a dictatorship. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, no, no other than day one. We're closing the border and we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator. The Biden campaign quick to respond, writing in a statement, quote, Donald Trump has been telling us exactly what he will do if he's reelected. And tonight he said he will be a dictator on day one. (laughs) That, in a sense, tells you what the entire problem is. Donald Trump is joking. He's mucking around. He's personable. The Biden-Harris administration are pious and they're at a loss and perhaps more significant than their piety and their inability to communicate effectively with the public. 
public that they have left behind and they have abandoned is the fact that it is their policy. It's their lack of regard for ordinary Americans. It's the fact that for a long time now, many of us have suspected that the political class don't work for ordinary Americans or ordinary British people, but for the corporate interests who essentially make large donations, who they own stocks and shares in, who lobby them in Congress. People have worked out what the game is now and rhetoric like that doesn't work. Someone like Donald Trump, has been, and I'm pretty late to this party, refreshing because, as Dave Chappelle first pointed out, he said, I know the system is rigged because I use it. I said, God damn. <laughs> and then he said, if you want me to pay my taxes, then change the tax code. But I know you won't because your friends and your donors enjoy the same tax breaks that I do. Bill Burr also hit the nail on the head when he says that liberal hysteria is continuing to fuel the Trump phenomena. Liberals are so stupid the way that they handle Trump. What you do you know? mean? You should shut up. You think he'd go away? If you know what I think he was? I think he was a one-hit wonder. Uh-huh. Right? He wrote the twist. Uh-huh. And then that was it. He was on the casino circuit, and then you yeah. idiot liberals wrote him twist again yeah. when you indicted him. And yeah. now he's a martyr. And now he's, he's coming back, Jimmy. The peppermint twist he's is back. He's coming yeah. back. <laughs> it's going to be great for comedy. In addition to the fact, and I would say this is an important addition, that they are unwilling to alter their policies that ultimately allow them to service elite interests rather than democratically serve ordinary Americans. We all know now that the Democrat Party works for the military-industrial complex, works for Big Pharma, in cahoots with legacy media, that the deep state is penetrating social media, that they are unable to go, do you know what? You'll be better off if you voted for our party because we will ensure investment in American infrastructure, less foreign wars, we'll curtail corruption in Congress, we'll ban policies of donation and lobbying because they will never do that. As you can see within the Democrat Party establishment, Bernie Sanders, no thank you. What we're witnessing now is the end, I believe, of a certain type of democracy. We are moving towards authoritarianism, but not the kind of populist demagoguery that they believe Trump represents, but a kind of autocratic, technocratic, digital, technological dictatorship where the establishment claims that it's protecting you and the vulnerable, but ultimately it is restricting freedom. And I could point to many, many surveillance laws, like the laws that were introduced after 9-11 but haven't been rescinded, and many, many new censorship laws, not only in the United States but across the world, that point to this, as well as the ongoing empowerment of globalist and corporate interests that are inaccessible to ordinary democratic process. That's the real problem, I believe. You've said we are sort of sleepwalking into dictatorship in the United States. Dictatorship. Is that what we would have if we re-elect Donald Trump? I think it's it's a very, very real threat and concern. And and I don't say any of that lightly. She did say it quite lightly because you can't really trust Liz Cheney unless she were willing to address the institutional and systemic abuses of power that currently exist or just spent five minutes talking about how her father generated the conditions for the Iraq war and exploited it personally, financially. How can you trust Liz Cheney until she's offered a complete mea culpa for the Cheney family on that subject? Dictatorship in the United States. That is a strong warning. To many, that word, that concept, that idea evokes something that is viewed as external to the US. Look though, look at these dictators, Mussolini, Mao. And I actually think that this is a legitimate point. We do think of dictatorships as belonging to the last century. We do think of them as being militarized. I think we're unable to conceive of what a global bureaucratic technological dictatorship might look like. Although we shouldn't struggle because we've just been through a piloting program, I believe, in the last three years, where the legitimization of authoritative measures was experimentally trialed 
world. I don't mean that in a conspiracy theory way. Even if you just say the best thing to do in the event of a pandemic is to lock everyone in their homes. The best thing to do in the event of a pandemic is to get everyone to carry digital passports. The best thing to do in the event of a pandemic is to shut down all oppositional discourse and close down all dissenting voices. What that shows you is what dictatorship will look like now. It's not going to be like jackboots and badges and medallions and flags. It's just going to be a gentle squeezing of your rights. 15 minute cities, no traveling. Donald Trump, I don't think, has a vision for old school Mussolini and Mao style dictatorship. But I think the neoliberal establishment is very keen to look for opportunities to assert control and regulate, whether it's the result of climate change or pandemics or protecting people or censoring free speech. That is what dictatorship is. Let me know in the chat what you think is the biggest threat to democracy right now, Trump or this kind of neoliberalist, centralist authoritarianism that we've all seen in the last few years. Of leaders somewhere else or in some other time, some other era. That habit of thinking is wrong. It's why there are entire books about how it can, quote, happen here. One thing about Mussolini is you can't take your eyes off him. He's such a compelling figure. If he told me to vote for him, I would. Mao, mm. To push Americans to understand the threat and the way both democracies and dictatorships operate. It's why historians are now comparing. It's weird that they're just rotating those Mussolini Mao, Mussolini Mao, Mussolini Mao, it's Trump now. It's why historians are now comparing what Donald Trump is saying in public on the campaign trail to dictators like Mussolini when he dehumanizes our fellow citizens in this country as, quote, vermin. But hysterical rhetoric is a two-way street, and hysterical rhetoric is literally taking place in this very news segment. He's a bit like Mussolini. He's a bit like Mao. He used the word vermin. Look at the words they use. Deprogramming, basket of deplorables, MAGA extremist. January 6th was an insurrection when we now know that it was infiltrated by all sorts of deep state agencies and that there were certainly provocative events indeed. Vivek Ramaswamy is now using independent media rhetoric, able to say that on a wide stage, on a big platform. And that kind of rhetoric is appealing because it's true, not for any other reason. Because now the mainstream discourse can't be managed in the way that it used to be. You can't say the Ukraine war is good, shut up, just get on with it. You now have to face a barrage of questions, which means that the process of controlling a population is impeded. You can't just say we want more and more tax dollars for that war. There's going to be boots on the ground. There are too many opportunities for oppositionism. And Cheney, who staked her career on this, is saying this threat is now here. And she is carefully and precisely warning how she views Donald Trump as a would-be dictator. You never ever hear them say, although we should have been a bit more gentle when we said that people that like Trump are MAGA extremists. We probably overdid it when people didn't want to get vaccinated and we shamed them and said they shouldn't get hospital treatment. The media, legacy media in particular, are prone to hysterical discourse on both sides. They are hysterical about Trump and then condemning him for grandiose rhetoric. So unless they're able to acknowledge that they are participating in that polemicism, you can't take them seriously and you certainly can't trust them. Like Mussolini or Mao, that if he does win next year, based on everything she's learned, and remember the high level of the Republican Party that she reached. Is it me, or does the future feel more insecure and uncertain? Wars, pandemics, lies, trickery, my cats keep having kittens, the last one's personal. For those who are in the United States, there is a way to secure your hard-earned nest egg. American Hartford Gold make it easy to protect your savings and retirement accounts with physical gold and silver. With one phone call, they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside a qualifying retirement account like your IRA or 401k. American Hartford Gold is the highest rated firm in the US with an A-plus rating from the BBB and thousands of satisfied clients. 
Giants right now. They will give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your first qualifying order. This offer is only for US customers. Call 866-505-8315. That's 866-505-8315. Or simply text BRAND to 998899. Get up to $5,000 of silver and protect your future in this crazy, crazy world with some solid, precious metals literally made in stars. She is now certain, based on the evidence, he would try to then stay in power Forever. Forever. <laughs> One of the problems with the idea of saying he's got to stay in power forever is forever is quite a long time. And Donald Trump is relatively elderly. It's like, at worst, going to be about 10 years. Do you believe if Donald Trump were elected next year that he would try to stay in office beyond a second term? That he would never leave office? There's no question. Never leave office. They're actually defying the laws of physics. So they're comparing him to Mussolini and Mao and Putin and Hitler and sort of Jesus. <laughs> like he's not going to die. He lives forever. He will continue to abide like literal Mephistopheles. But that is hysterical when you're actually building miracles into your propaganda campaign. He could have an army of 5,000 MAGA extremists. He could feed them every day just using two fish and loaves, I believe. You're making him sound too much like Jesus. I know, that's the nickname we give him. You realize Jesus is pretty popular. Duh. Damn it, we've done it again. Why don't we bomb Iraq and give all of the energy deals to Holly Burton? That's my girl. I firmly believe, knowing Donald Trump, that if you said to Donald Trump, Mr. Trump, in order to become Putin, in order to stay in office forever, in order to loot this country, you have to do X, he is capable of doing wherever your mind can take you for X. A thousand percent. And I mean, that's extremism. Wherever your mind can take you, the limits of your imagination, wherever you can imagine, Trump is capable of doing that. And the response, a thousand percent. He can't get a thousand percent. We all know that. Thank Absolutely. Michael Cohen said it. You know, he is an autocrat. In his mind, he wants to be president. I want to stop using autocrat. Power. I want to start using the word fascist. Yeah, he's a fascist. And what kind of pre-show conversation do you think they have before they do this? Is it like, let's just say the maddest, wildest things we can about Donald Trump. Whatever you can imagine, he'll do that. A thousand percent. He's a fascist. Yeah, he's a fascist. Worse than Hitler. Well, in a way, yeah. I mean, like, there's nothing that they're going, well, I don't know if he's as bad as that. And of course, you have to recognize that people are pretty disenchanted with contemporary politics anyway because of the many pledges Biden made on the campaign trial and then didn't fulfill. And of course, Barack Obama, we all felt very optimistic about him and then he sort of yielded to the banks after the financial crash. And I think people feel generally now like maybe this is a time where America doesn't have to have that international role getting engaged in wars and all that kind of stuff. Perhaps this is a time where we have to look at the technology and where we are, our trajectory as a species and make some real changes and not changes that always seem to be beneficial to the elites and punitive to ordinary people, but maybe the other way around. Maybe we have to have a radical look at America and giving people as much power power as possible, decentralized power, you know, use the federalism that America was built upon to empower individual states. Yeah, we could do that. Or we could say that Trump's like an evil Jesus. Hitler Jesus? Yeah, Hitler Jesus. That's right. The tendencies, many, many tendencies like Adolf Hitler. Yeah. I said it, throw me off the air. Okay, so whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, the fact is he has a form of communication that many people like, and I can understand why. He's amusing. He has already been president, and he did leave office, and he's complained about it. But the Democrats complained about it when they left office as well. Russiagate, Pgate, all of that stuff. So what's Trump doing that's so bad? And why are the neoliberal establishment media condemning Trump with such fierce rhetoric and not acknowledging their own failings? This is an article by Martin Gurry, who probably more than any author I think about when I'm trying to understand the dynamics of contemporary politics and how it relates to technology and communication. 
emotions as opposed to ideology and how those things are in a sense inextricably linked. Let's get into it. A giant landfill of words has been dumped out on the subject of Donald Trump. I hate to add to the pile, but I feel I must. Unlike most participants in this industrial disaster though, I have no wish to either praise Trump or to bury him. What I want is clarity. The word most often associated with Trump is authoritarian. From the New York Times, Atlantic and Economist to The Guardian, Vanity Fair and Politico, we are told with ritual repetition that Trump is the second coming of Hitler or Mussolini, an aspiring dictator eager to herd his opponents into the great American gulag. That, I feel, is in order to not address domestic issues within their own organisations, within our own institutions and systems, they are just amplifying the external threat, in this case Donald Trump, rather than having a reckoning about the state of democracy the economic crisis, the energy crisis, the increasing demand for censorship. All of these things are legitimised and certainly of secondary importance to the emergency of some sort of, well, antichrist. He's being portrayed as a kind of antichrist, which is an oddly religious idea for a materialist and secular culture. Naturally, people panic. I want to <laughs> I want to calm them down. This guy is writing this like an adult. Look, calm down. You're being actually a bit stupid. He's not Hitler. He's not going to live forever. He's old. Martin Gurry is operating on a higher level than the rest of us. Look, using as few words as possible, I'm going to show that the combination of Trump and authoritarianism is an impossibility. So you'll be able to just shut up about that. What's an authoritarian anyway? The word is squishy. It can mean someone who likes to have his own way or someone who compels you to do things his way. Since we're dealing with extreme emotions, I'm going with a high hardline definition. An authoritarian, let's say, is an actual or would-be dictator. Right, thanks Martin. If you expect to become an authoritarian, you have to wield absolute control over a key institution of government, such as the military, like Franco, Peron or Pinochet, or a mass movement with a paramilitary wing, like Lenin, Mussolini and Mao. Right. That's a fact, isn't it? If you haven't got a paramilitary wing or an army, you can't achieve the kind of coercion that is necessary. I would say the kind of dictatorship we live in is no longer using that modality, but is instead about cultural and social and psychological conditioning that's so immersive that people don't feel free, that we're so atomized and despairing and trapped in consumerism that we're controlled in a completely novel way. That the idea that someone with a paramilitary force is going to like kick off, I don't sort of feel that that's going to happen. I'm really glad that mine gurus started to relax me on that front. Neither condition applies to Trump. Every federal institution is set ferociously against him. What would happen if Trump ordered the FBI or the 101st Airborne Division to start shooting Democrats? Homeric laughter would happen. And if Trump is training a militia somewhere off the 18th hole at Mar-a-Lago, not even the Times has heard about it. <laughs> That's what he'd have to be doing when you see him go off in his golf buggy and that, listening to James, like, it's a man's world. Okay, guys. We're going to need some explosive devices. He's not doing that, is he? He's not doing that. The conservative establishment has on occasion co-opted an authoritarian as a bulwark against the left. This was Hitler's bridge to power. But the Republican and conservative elites here ran shrieking for the door the moment Trump won the nomination in 2016. They coined the term Never Trumper. When it comes to the presidency, they prefer the entire population of the United States ahead of the evil orange man. What kind of person becomes an authoritarian? Well, it may look like fun, but authoritarianism is really hard work. <laughs> it's exhausting. Imagine like Mao and Stalin and Hitler, though they do say Hitler used to get up late, don't they? It must be absolutely knackering to be an authoritarian. Trump's not on that tip at all, is he? You need to be in the prime of life in your 30s or 40s. Lenin, Stalin, Mussolini, Hitler, Franco, Mao, Castro. Very rarely an exceptional person such as Caesar is granted literal dictatorship. The Romans invented the whole idea in his early 50s. In a clear case of ageism, however, no septuagenarian 
has ever been offered the job. The authoritarian personality favours clever manipulations and conspiracies. Best in class was Stalin, who held the purely administrative job of first party secretary, but seized total power by seeding loyalists everywhere. Trump, who was a builder of buildings, a task with a beginning and an end, can scarcely think ahead from breakfast to lunch. Hmm, what will I have for lunch, honey, mate? Just get into these eggs. This is a life playing out of the short attention span theatre. I think what Martin Gurry is offering us is an alternative lens to view Trump as a character and the reasons why Trump might be popular, which I would offer is Trump's popular because the alternative is so dismal and he doesn't actually seem like a dictator. It just seems like if you're not going to alter the conditions that led to Trump, because those are the conditions of our institutionalised and corrupt democracies, you have to escalate using hysteria and rhetoric the language that condemns Trump. And that's clearly what's happening, isn't it? Let me know in the chat. Still, I know what some political depressives will be thinking, and they're wrong. January 6th was not an insurgency aiming to install Trump as chief authoritarian. In an insurgency, people with guns shoot at each other and lots of them die. In the firefight to convert Augusto Pinochet into El Supremo, 3,000 Chileans died. That's an insurgency. On January 6th, only one person died. A young woman who was shot by a Capitol policeman while trying to break through a door into the house chamber. She was unarmed, as was the rest of the trespassing mob. There's no such thing as an unarmed insurgency. Wow. So in all of the distance between what happened that day and how it's been reported, I think is the real problem. The real problem is not that there was an insurrection on January the 6th or that Trump is like Hitler. The real problem is that protests have to be amplified in order to shut down dissent and political opponents who are idiosyncratic and unusual have to be amplified into total malfeasance in order to preserve institutional corruption, deep institutional corruption that precedes Biden but will carry on with Biden, that preceded Obama but continued with Obama, that was present and prevalent in the W. Bush era and has probably been going on for quite a while. Maybe it started with Reagan. Perhaps it's always been present. Some of the financial changes that took place under Clinton, people say, are hugely significant in losing the ability to regulate the financial industry. Maybe it was the New Deal was the last time there was sort of good faith governance of America. I don't know enough about your country's politics to say, but what seems clear is that at some point there was a sort of a slide towards centralised authoritarianism and technocracy within American government. It became corrupt and totally co-opted by financial interests and they're not willing to change that because why would they? And so in order to just preserve it, they'll say anything to keep it together. At this point even, the problem's gone beyond Trump because now you have populists like Bobby Kennedy and Vivek Ramaswamy and they can't be kept down forever. Like now, what, Bobby Kennedy, ah, vaccines. Uh, All right, Vivek Ramaswamy, also a Nazi. What else can I say to reassure the fretful? I like Martin Gurry's tone. It's like a game he's doing. Like, you idiots, you know this isn't a dictatorship. Shut up. Like, talking to them like they're children. Shall we talk about the Trump rhetoric? To borrow a phrase from Hillary Clinton, Trump should be sent to a re-education camp run by Miss Manners, no question about it. But we're talking about authoritarianism here. Now, both as a kid in Cuba and in my professional life, I had the pleasure of sitting through entire Fidel Castro speeches. I mean, I served freedom by deciphering every cough and mumble that bearded authoritarian could utter in a four-hour tirade. And say what you will about Trump's rhetoric, you can be sure of this, he's no Fidel Castro. Martin Gurry is what you might call an old-school advocate for liberal democracy. He is not a communist and he is not a populist. I think he's a moderate and that's what makes him, I think, such a valuable contribution to our conversation. You won't hurt Trump by calling him an authoritarian. He's like one of those bull elephant seals covered with hide, inches thick and full of scars. Authoritarianism won't even reach his sensory apparatus. (laughs) Ha ha ha!
It's just like something getting murmured outside of a space helmet. But tens of millions of Americans voted for the man. If you insist that Trump is an authoritarian, if you continue to maintain that he's the greatest threat ever to our democracy, then you're portraying these voters as goose-stepping bigots, and you know full well that they're not. They're your family, friends, and neighbours. People in those categories may not be as reliably helpful as, say, a good dog, but only rarely are they involved in overthrowing constitutional norms. What he's pointing out is the hysterical language became so deracinated uprooted and untethered from reality that we were invited to accept that 71 million people had gone crazy. And I think all sides of these current political conversations have to acknowledge that it's no longer a left versus right argument that we're having, but a deep suspicion of the way that our institutions are operating, with one side saying, if it was to fall in the hands of Trump, he'll ruin it forever. And the other side saying, but things are already ruinous for us. We feel the contempt of elites in our everyday lives. We are unsatisfied. The only solution, it seems to me, is already stitched into the fabric of American political life, decentralised power, as little state interventionism as possible, have states run in accordance with the democratic will of the people within that state or boroughs within that state, make democracy as close to the people affected by it as possible. That is the solution. And I think that that's what's being resisted here. And I actually think that what Trump is doing, Trump is a wrecking ball for the old order and they don't want to change because they're corrupt. So relax. Trump is too old, too isolated and too ADD to have a shot at dictatorship. And if he tried, the result would be comedy rather than tyranny. You still want to join the ranks of the anti-Trump resistance? Hey, that's wonderful. You want to do battle against authoritarianism? I'm there with you. Just don't mix up the two. I promise it will make you clearer of mind and healthier of body. And it will free us to begin to call our politicians by those vile names that actually fit. So I think what Martin Gurry has offered us there is an assessment that is reasonable. He's clearly a discerning person and elsewhere has written that what the real problem is, is that our models of governance, our models of media, our models of political funding, our models of censorship, are now inept and inadequate for the way that technology has changed the world, specifically the internet and the ability for us all to instantaneously communicate. I think independent media is a great thing. I think it's changed the political landscape. There's no question that a certain type of populism has re-emerged, but we're not at the end of the road. New things might emerge, and I hope what those new things might be are decentralised social movements closer to the type of tribalism, and I don't mean tribalism as in oppositionalism, I mean local government, localization that we evolved with for many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even longer, of years. And now people are trying to corral us together in groups of 300 million or 1.5 billion or 60 million and expecting us to have the same culture, the same ideas and censoring us according to their own whims that seem to be more about preserving their own power rather than as they continually claim protecting the vulnerable. And of course, populist nationalist figures are cropping up all over the world because deep down inside us, we don't trust the government anymore. We're right not to. We don't trust the legacy media anymore. We're right not to. And no one's giving us any reasonable alternative. So we'll take whatever alternative we can, particularly if they're funny and good at communicating in public. But that's just what I think. More important than that, though, if you can, please stay free. No, here's the fucking news.